It's not about politics, it's about football. This is a simple game. We're going to run the ball, and we're going to pass the ball. He's just going to play football, really. How good of a football player are you? I just get in and try to spin it. That's all. I just love the game. It really is the best time of the year. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to It's Just Football. Here back on the desk, Trevor Sikma with Mike Renner. Joining you guys on a Tuesday after the holidays. Hopefully you guys have had a fantastic holiday, safe travels wherever you were going to, and you enjoyed some fantastic football as well. We're talking a lot of great things here on this show. We got the J.J. Watt news. J.J. Watt uh, looks like didn't officially say these words, but looks like he's calling it a career. So we're going to reminisce on that a little bit. We're going to update you guys on uh, on Tua Tungavailoa as well. Uh, we're going to talk to you about some dogs of the week. We're going to get into how to fix the Denver Broncos because we had some big news from Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, and we're also going to be giving New Year's resolutions to a lot of different teams. So it's a jam-packed show. Mike, how are we feeling today? Feeling good. Excited to be back in the studio. Been a while. It's warm here, yeah, which is nice. Yeah, can't no, say no technical difficulties here. Can't, at least, can't at least say. Least <laughs> I was gonna bring it up. Glad that you did. We showed the tweet. We'll get to the tweet. Can we go? We'll, we'll, we'll break the news here uh, for for everybody who's in the chat watching the show. JJ Watt calling in a career. Yeah. How do we feel about it, Mike? Wild. See, I always pay JJ Watt. This isn't really criticism, but I always pegged him as like a last hurrah guy. Like he was like so a retirement tour. He was gonna give himself a retirement tour kind of guy, but. Uh, obviously, uh, one of, if not the most dominant defensive player at his peak that I've ever seen. You know, right up there with Reggie White, right up there with Aaron Donald, and just that, you know, that 2014, 2013, that sort of stretch, 2015, mm-hmm. those seasons, unblockable. Uh, unblockable. Glad I was. It was impressive to watch. 2012 to 2015, he had 20 and a half sacks, 10 and a half sacks, 20 and a half sacks, 17 and a half sacks. Insane. Insane. The insane I, run. I mean, I'm not even a, like, sacks tell the whole story. But for you to get that kind of production is absolutely insane. He's one of the, he's one of the best of all time, no doubt about it. Easy Hall of Famer, I think. My, favorite, my favorite stat about his dominance was that in 2014, he had 65 combined sacks and hits. 21 sacks, 44 hits. Most we've ever charted by far. But that doubled the second best player that season. Double the production of the second-best defensive line in terms of sacks and hits, getting QBs to the ground. Unbelievable. It's been a while since J.J. Watt has been that dominant. Granted, mm-hmm. actually, I think he's been playing decently well this year. He could keep going. Like, I think that he could. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to say, like, hey, next year, 2023, my last year, I think he could help some NFL teams. He really could along the defensive line. But I do think it's cool that he's saying, hey, I'm not super banged up, I'm not super hurt, and I'm going out playing at a level that I'm at least – proud of because some of those guys do they, they last a little bit too long they get that final year and it feels like they're just like limping sometimes they can't even get into the onto the field jj watt i feel like going out in a way that his career deserves to which is really cool i mean he's got nine and a half sacks right now yeah he gets a half sack over the double last digit. two games that'll be that'll be ending the ending his career with double digit sacks i think that's really cool yeah it did suck though from 2016 we mentioned that peak from 2016 to 2021 six-year stretch you only got two healthy seasons in there three of them cut drastically short with serious injuries so yeah amazing to see that he's even playing at any sort of competent level at almost 34 years old with all the injuries he's been through glad to see he's still healthy enough to realize that 
Uh, Nathan's saying future Hall of Famer. Blink is saying first first ballot Hall of Famer. I think so, too. Uh, I mean, when you just look at how dominant he has been. And Uncle Dusty says it right here. When you think of the Houston Texans, Mm -hmm. you think of J.J. Watt, right? I mean, I feel like the only other player, maybe, maybe Arian Foster, maybe Andre Johnson, but like, to me, if you say the Houston Texans, I immediately think of J.J. Watt. Yeah. Immediately think of J.J. Watt. And that's kind of crazy because they drafted J.V. Clowney, right? They, they won the Clowney sweepstakes back yeah. in, what was it, 2014, when Clowney was coming out. And they uh, we, we thought that, obviously, Clowney was going to be unbelievable. But um, J.J. Watt was actually uh, just the, the, the guy that feels like he is the face of that franchise and somebody that everybody um, definitely remembers. A lot of people <laughs> paying F, very pressing F to pay respects for J.J. Watt in the chat. Respectful respects, though. F is normally like when somebody's dead. JJ Watt's not dead. Just making sure everybody out there knows. Uh, let's get the production portal, guys, in the show. I wanted to hit on that real quick, but uh, we got Eli, we got Sav, we got Quinn here with us as well. Boys, how are we feeling? How are we feeling today? We're good. JJ Watt single-handedly won that playoff game against the Bengals. I think it was either 2011 or 2012. Mm. I think it was 2012. Uh, like, it, it was just him. He had a pick like, six in that game, right? He did, yeah. He swatted oh. the ball from Andy Dalton and took it to the house. He if, made the, he made the red rifle look like a red rider BB gun. If it was twenty twelve, that was the that was the first twenty and a half sack season. Thirty nine tackles for loss that year. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> this guy's an animal. It was. That's why. Yeah. You, okay. So you mentioned the QB hits. I'm gonna go 20, 2012 to twenty fifteen again, just because I want to highlight it because it's that insane. 43 QB hits in 2012, 46 the next year, 51 the next year, 50 the year after that. Yep. He was unparalleled. Wild, man. Absolutely wild. I Do we have a J.J. Watt question of the day? What's the question of the day? No, and I actually have some beef with J.J. Watt now because if he would have announced that, if he would have tweeted that out like yeah. 20 minutes earlier, right. it would have made my job a lot easier because I was struggling for a question of the day today. Right, okay. Um, this one's actually – Nathaniel Hackett related. Oh, sort of. Because we're fixing. The, we're we're, yeah, we're fixing. News. Look, we're fixing the Broncos today. A good chunk of the show is yeah. going to be fixing the Denver Broncos. So it's okay. It's all right. We can get started here. All right. Since 2020, how many combined wins do NFL interim head coaches have in their debut games? Okay. Since Jeff Saturday. 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 Um. Did Steve Wilkes win his? Yeah. The first game? The, uh, yeah, I can't remember. For debut game, first game. Um, so basically Bisaccia. how many coaches since 2021 have won there? Rich Bisaccia. He won first one? I don't know. I, again, I can't, couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. Since 2020. <laughs> got fired. A lot of guys get fired, but since we'll say, 2020. I'll say three of them. I really do. Combined I, wins to NFL interim head coaches have in their debut games? He can't be that many. I'm trying to think of other interim head coaches. Who was the Jags interim head coach? Who was the Jags interim head coach? You know what's wild? This is the so back There's to no back years. There's no way they won. Back to back years we had what would have been a good trivia question. Back to back years we had guys fired without making it through the end of the first season. Head coaches fired without making it through the end of the first season. It hadn't happened before that since 1978. Mm. That a guy got fired midway through his first season. Really? Yeah. That's a good trivia question. Uh, I like the number three. 
Let's see. Browns is Brown saying seven. There's no way it's seven. Nathan saying eight. It can't be that high. Daniel saying five. Philip saying four. There, Hughes saying two. How many interim head coaches have there even been? Right? Haley so saying th- three. So two this year. Now on to our third. There, there were how many last year? Did DT Dynasty off? says that Steve Wilkes did not. Bisaccia won his. Okay. So your prior 2021, we had just the Jags and the Raiders. Any, any yeah. other ones? Anybody else get ahead of the curve? I'm trying to think. I don't think so. I think the Giants rolled the whole season. Right? Uh, when did Dan Quinn get fired from the Falcons? Was that back? There's no way they did that before the season, right? That was back 2020. Yeah. But 2020 is included, right? We're including yeah. 2020? Yeah. It was after the season. All right, I'm just going to go three. Uh, two, I'm not going to think right. of it. I might go four. I think All I'm going right. to go four. DT Dynasty is saying one or two. Yeah, that might be it. I'm going to go four. I'm going to go four. Four feels right. Just feels right. I'll go with four there. Um, we'll stick with the Denver Broncos, right? That's what a big portion of this show is going to be about. In case you guys missed it yesterday, Nathaniel Hackett did get fired as head coach of the Denver Broncos after going 4-11 in his first 15 games as head coach in just his first season. Now, Mike, before we get to how we're going to fix the Denver Broncos, I do want to get into a little bit of what this season has been. At one point, the Denver Broncos had the number one scoring defense in the NFL and the number 32 ranked scoring offense. This is a team that is averaging one of the lowest points per game of not just any team in the NFL, but one of the lowest point totals that we have seen in the NFL since the year 2000, right? This just has absolutely not worked for the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. When you look at coaches that they interviewed that were reportedly finalists for this job last year, it was Daniel Hackett, it was Kevin O'Connell, we see what he is doing with the Minnesota Vikings, it was also Dan Quinn, who I think people still regard highly yeah. as a head coach in this cycle. What'd you think of Nathaniel Hackett? He came over from your Green Bay Packers. What'd you think of the hire at the time? And then what has gone wrong for Hackett? And ultimately, if you think that this move and the timing of it is right. I think he had done enough offensively to justify being a head coach. You know, coached uh, OC for a two-time MVP. He got the best years out of Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. I think he did some creative things at both those stops to warrant that consideration, but also head coaching job and like the details and sort of the job description is much more than X's and O's. Mm-hmm. Quite simply, like X's and O's is a tertiary sort of uh, order thing for a head coach. It is much more of a management position, being able to manage personalities, and he failed that miserably. By any any sideline cam at any Broncos game over the last month and a half will tell you that he managed that tor- terribly because you have guys jawing at each other on the sidelines constantly. Every week you get a new clip from this Broncos team, which just means he's lost a locker room, does not have control over it. And it's difficult to do when you lose and keep the morale high, but it also is something that will get you fired before your first season because you can't be embarrassed like that on national TV the way the Broncos were in Christmas. Do you think that this move, and I'm curious of what the chat thinks of even the origins of how Nathaniel Hackett became head coach of the Denver Broncos. Do you think that this move was simply to lure Aaron Rodgers and yes. it didn't work? Yes. So you do you th- you think that I that's one hundred percent what it was? I, I do think it was. Mm-hmm. Not a hundred percent. Well, because I mean, again, he had done I, enough I, justify a head coaching opportunity, but they targeted him specifically 
to try to get so to try to get Aaron Rodgers yeah. over. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the, to me, that that really feels like. I mean, you look at regimes around the NFL, and, and you you hope that's not the entire reason, right? Why you would hire a head coach? You would hope that he would be a little bit more than that, because even even if you were just hiring him because you know Aaron Rodgers might have liked him. If things start to go wrong, I mean, I guess you got Aaron Rodgers in the building and you're happy with it because the quarterback means more. But how much you put? How much of this are you putting on Russell Wilson, right? Because I think that's oh, the that's the, that's the other it. part of the puzzle here, and I want to hear from the chat there too. How much of this is actually on Russell Wilson and not necessarily Nathaniel Hackett? Because okay, sure, he might not have been ready for a head coach position, but does this crash and burn as badly as it does without Russell Wilson clearly having the worst year of his career? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, it's vast majority of it is on, is on Russell Wilson, okay. in my opinion. Okay. I, I do think it is. But again, you can't let – he kind of allowed this to fester. He allowed this to go on. And you're going to have to choose between one or the other at this point. Yeah. If you're management. You, you can't, can't choose you can't choose, can't hack choose Hackett with no. the contract that Russell Wilson has. Unfortunately, you just can't hack it, mismanage it grossly. Um, and do I think he's a bad offensive mind? No, I still think he can scheme up – a good offense and you'll probably land as an offensive coordinator somewhere here in the near future may even go back to green bay but i don't think that uh this was the wrong decision i think it was very much the correct decision if you're the denver broncos now they just have to have someone that can come in and tell russell wilson here's what you're going to do it's not going to be your team anymore it's going to be mine do we have the details on hackett's contract i don't remember ever seeing those uh because you know when you when you talk about this like what? What Russ? The sunken cost that it feels like Russell Wilson is at this point. It's not just the two first round picks. It's not just the two second round picks that it costs to get Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. It's not just the two hundred and forty five million dollars that you sign him to with an extension. It is also now this head coaching contract. Mm-hmm. Like he, if, if if what you were saying is true, and I don't necessarily disagree with you. That goes into how much in the hole you are with this Russell Wilson investment. Oh, yeah. You made an investment also in the head coach that clearly failed because he could not figure out how to get the best out of Russell Wilson. So when we start to have that conversation of, is this the worst trade of all time? Mike, it's kind of looking like it. You can point to other trades that may have involved like more draft picks, different draft picks. A lot of mm-hmm. people point to the Herschel Walker trade from a long time ago, right? The Ricky Williams trade with the New Orleans Saints back in the day with Mike Ditka. You can point to other trades that have involved more draft picks, but the money and the draft picks that have been involved with Russell Wilson getting to the Denver Broncos, we are on a path to this being the worst trade of all time. Well, combine the fact that it's the trade plus the contract Plus, then he's actually negatively impacting you with his performance. Like yeah, the other guys, sure, right. was Herschel Walker, like I said, Ricky Williams. Like they at least added value when they were on the football field. They were at least still good players. There's an argument to be made that Russell Wilson is legitimately negative wins above replacement, worse than a replacement level player to your team right now in ways to bring to the table. So you gave up all this, all this money, all these draft picks to make yourself worse. That. When, it, when you look at it through that lens, yeah, it's difficult to not say it's one of the worst trades of all time. Walt saying the general manager, uh, George Payton, is the one that traded all those draft picks for Wilson, gave him that horrible contract, and hired Hackett. I agree. I mean, you got you definitely – there is some blame 
for George Payton being the one to sign off on all that decision. Now, I don't know how much of that is is him versus him and ownership versus him and other voices that might have been in there, but I think that his name is definitely in there too. It's getting uh, a little dangerous there in Denver with that current regime. A lot of people were talking about the Danger Witch sandwich, the Subway sandwich that Russell Wilson came up with. Yeah, People were saying the Subway is trash. I, that, I mean, that's, yeah, that, that's playing a role, I think. I've had the Danger Witch, though. And it's fine. It's not bad. Yeah, I, when I did go to Subway in my darker years, I would get the Italian BFT. When's the last time you had Subway? Ooh, probably at least two two years. And I actually made a pact over the summer to never have Subway again. So, mm. so I will not be having Subway. I mean, we live next to a Jimmy John's, so I think that makes it easy to never have Subway because we can just get our sub fixed over Jimmy John's. All right, let's let's fix the Broncos, right? We don't yes. have to take, talk gloom and doom, right? The the beauty is that there is always another offseason, right? There are always moves to be made. You can always go in a positive direction. That's what the new year is all about. We're hitting the final days of 2022. We're heading into 2023 with optimism for the Denver Broncos. So, Mike, you tell me. We got three moves. We're fixing the Broncos in three moves each. Yep. What's your plan? What do you got? My plan. Yes. Lay it on us. I'm going to hire Sean Payton. Former New Orleans Saints head coach. Okay. And hear me out. Okay. <laughs> for everyone saying, why would Sean Payton want to go coach Russell Wilson? All right. Well, first off, money can help in that conversation because you have a new owner who's getting embarrassed in the public eye right now that has some deep pockets. Mm. That is probably going to go out and say, let's spend whatever it takes to not have whatever just happened this past year. And I'm telling you, with Sean Payton at the helmet, this is not, it's going to look completely different. He's a guy who can look Russell Wilson in the eye and tell him it's going to be done my way. Uh, you're not going to get the special privileges that you've enjoyed in the past. And also, he can, Sean Payton would like it from a probably team-building perspective in that with after George Patton's sort of mishaps this past offseason, he'd probably get full control in that scenario of uh, management of roster personnel, that sort of thing as well. Even if he's not called the GM, he's probably going to get that from ownership to lure him in there. So it could be a cushy job that then the second decision would be, I guess the first, the second decision that would alleviate that and help Sean Payton out would be drafting one Anthony Richardson, mm. getting him a quarterback that he can mold in the fold to develop so that you're not handcuffed by Russell Wilson, so that there's some semblance of competition for him in the first round. Because one wide receiver, one offensive lineman, whatever they're going to get a pick uh, in the 20s where it's looking to shape out is not going to fix this roster overnight. I, I think you dra use that pick on a developmental quarterback because there's a few in this class worth taking that – just to give, just to push Russell Wilson that extra bit, just to give him whatever that motivation that he needs to not be uh, one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. And then my last move is to sign someone like a Jawan Taylor from the Jacksonville Jaguars, shore up the offensive line, invest there because offense has got to turn around some way, shape, or form. Um, I think this could do it. I think this could be the strategy. My biggest pushback that I have here, and in theory, Mike, mm -hmm. sounds great. How are they getting Sean Payton? The, the other thing, the last point <laughs> that I did get, not they make. Got, they got no draft picks. What I did not make about Sean Payton uh -huh. was uh -huh. what other job is he going to take? The, the, the rumors are he wants to come back. He's already built a staff out. What other job is luring you if you're Sean Payton? Is it the Colts? Is it the yeah. Panthers right now? Are those luring jobs the Colts with no quarterback and no way of really getting a quarterback? Is that one luring me, having to start from square one at that position? Is... The Panthers, who are in the same boat, is that going to lure me? The Texans, possibly, if they move on from Levy Smith. But it's like, are, are, is uh, Nick Casario going to cede any 
personnel decision making sort of power there. I feel like to Nick, him. I feel like Nick Sierra is kind of on, on on a little bit of thin ice, anyways. I don't know. I, also, I how, also how are they going to get Sean Payton for the Saints? They don't have any draft picks. Oh, they got to trade. You got to trade yeah. for him. We'll see. That's the big. I think that's that's the big wrench in that one. Sure, I think that they would absolutely love Sean Payton. I think a lot of teams in the NFL would love Sean Payton, but. Uh, the Saints do still own Sean Payton's rights, so it feels like a team's going to have to trade for him. And for as much as I feel like he Payton is like that number one coaching candidate right now, I feel like they can garner a pretty high draft pick in return mm-hmm. for Sean Payton. So uh, that's that's the big flaw I have in that plan. But uh, a lot of people are saying that, of course, if you can get your hands on Sean Payton, he seems like the guy who, what you were mentioning earlier, has the personality to command the locker room again, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like that's as much a part of this as anything else with their next head coach, right? It's got to be somebody who has that personality. Do yeah. you agree? Yes, yes. I mean, you have to have someone that can look Russell Wilson in the eye and be, you know, tell him what to do. Basically. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense. All right, so my plan. Uh, thought about Sean Payton, but I couldn't come up with the draft picks, even though they still have a first-round mm-hmm. draft pick this year. <laughs> Because of the Bradley Chubb trade. You can't trade that one. You need that one to build the rest of the team. They've got a first-round pick, no second-round pick, but then two third-round picks, two early third-round picks. So that's good. They can use that. My first move is the move that they should have made last offseason. This was what I was suggesting the Denver Broncos do anyways, and that was hire Dan Quinn as the head coach. Dan Quinn is one of the most respected coaches in the NFL right now who is not already at a head coaching position. And shoot, you could even throw head coaches in there, and I would still tell you that Dan Quinn is one of the most respected coaches in the NFL. When you look at his tenure with the Atlanta Falcons, he took that team and he built that to a Super Bowl caliber team. Let's face it, they probably should have won the Super Bowl. He should probably have a Super Bowl ring. Uh, it, It didn't go well down the stretch for, I think, a number of reasons. But the thing that I always point to with those Dan Quinn years, those seven and nine seasons back to back that eventually led to him being replaced in Atlanta, those teams always still fought so hard for him. Like, they started the year off very poorly, and then they ended the year really strong. So that tells me that he always has that respect of the locker room. That's what Denver needs. That's what Russell Wilson needs. So I think you hired Dan Quinn. Brian Schottenheimer is also the offensive analyst for the Dallas Cowboys right now. So, like, maybe you can get both of those guys to come over. Brian Schottenheimer was the offensive coordinator for Russell Wilson during some of his best years. But then he kind of got ushered out when it was kind of reported that, like, Russell Wilson didn't like Schottenheimer's play calling anymore. But now it's almost like, can beggars be choosers at this point? Maybe you bring Schottenheimer with you. I don't know. But first and foremost, you hire Dan Quinn. Second of all, in free agency. Denver is right around the middle of the pack. I think they got around 15 to $20 million to work with in free agency right now. Hit O-line hard. Andre Dillard, unrestricted free agent. Isaiah Wynn, unrestricted free agent. Ethan Posick, unrestricted free agent. Go after one of those guys. I think you got to rebuild the offensive line first and foremost. If you got extra money to spend in free agency, that's where you spend it. You go along the offensive line, interior, or even that right tackle spot as well. I feel like you could hit that pretty hard. And then finally in the draft, first round, I'm still going O-line there, too. Don't know how much success you're going to have in the free agency world. So in the first round, that mid-20s pick right now that they have from the Miami Dolphins, Osiris Torrance, man. Plug him in. Let Dalton Reiser walk. You don't got to re-sign him. Plug in a guy like Osiris Torrance who had an incredibly high PFF passing grade or uh, run blocking grade, really, this past year for the Florida Gators. Then I got him taking your boy, Luke Musgrave, from Oregon State in the top of the third round. Then Kenny McIntosh. So we get two offensive players, but... Shoring up the tight end room, shoring up the running back room. Javante Williams is going to come back as well. That's my plan. 
That's what I would do there. That's how I would try to fix the Denver Broncos. I think you're fixing the leadership. You're fixing the locker room. You're fixing the offensive line. And you're getting some offensive pieces around there as well. I feel like a guy like Dan Quinn could also get Averro Ejero to stay as the defensive coordinator who has done an unbelievable job there for the Broncos. And I think that would be very important too. So there we go. That's my plan. I can get more. I mean, similar veins of O-line, new coach, proven coach. That can, you know, obviously two Super Bowl appearing coaches there that just need someone that to command that locker room, basically. Yep. Yep. I agree with you. I agree with you there. So that's how we're fixing the Denver Broncos. Trying to look back on uh, Walt saying Isaiah Wynn. Come on, Trevor. Look, man, we're just trying to, we're just trying to make things happen. Um, Nico said, no, Trevor put together the results in garbage time of the season. Yeah, the season was already lost, but the guys played well. You guys, you guys, I hate on Dan Quinn all the time, man. I feel like so many people are so hard on Dan Quinn, and Not I just, me. That's dude, my uncle. I think Dan <laughs> Quinn. <laughs> Dan Quinn's a good coach, man. I think I think people are way too hard on Dan Quinn for how things ended uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. I think that if he goes to a new location and he's a new uh, new head coach, then um, then uh, he's get, he's going to have a lot of success. Yeah, people are saying that your plan is better, better, sure. Yeah, if you can get Sean Payton with what draft picks. Yeah, I'll be petty about it now. I'm going to be petty about it. You put forth an unrealistic uh, plan. Everybody seems to say that Mike's is uh, less realistic but more fun and Trevor's is more realistic, less fun. Hmm. I think a lot of people, I'm pretty sure that uh, Sean Payton said he wants Vangio as his DC. Yes. Mm-hmm. And people are saying they're not sure how likely that is that Vangio wants to go back to Denver. Hmm. He'll get over it. <laughs> I don't think. I don't know if he'll get over it. I don't know if he's going to get over that one. Anyways, all right, that's how we're fixing the Broncos. You guys tell us how you think we should fix the Broncos as well. Um, but we also want you to tell us your thoughts on our next segment, everybody's favorite segment. Oh, yeah. Dogs of the week, baby. Let's get into it. Let's highlight some of the best players in the NFL over week 16. Play the clip. Let's go, baby. Dog. He gets after it. He's a dog. Dog. He scored five touchdowns. Dog. He's a dog. Uh, He's a dog. He is a dog. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're highlighting three dogs of the week. Three from me, three from Mike. What we saw this past week, week 16 in the NFL. Mike, who is your first dog of the week? My first dog of the week comes in a losing effort. But it is Jalen Waddle, Dolphins wide receiver. If Tua wouldn't have been concussed the whole second half, maybe he would have had even more. But he goes for five catches, 143 yards, a score. He now has 1,260 yards on the season. That's sixth in the NFL. And to be sixth in the NFL and still leading the league in yards per reception, 18.8 yards per reception, is an insane stat. That almost never happens, but it's because he's a dog. The acceleration of this man. Oh, yeah. It's like he's trying to break the sound barrier every time he puts his foot in the ground. It's incredible. Fly. Fly. Unreal tools. Guy's got them real tools. All right, my first dog of the week. I'm going to go to George Kittle. George Kittle deserves it because he deserved it last week as well. This makes it two weeks in a row. I'm going to highlight both of these weeks here, but, man, what he was able to do in week 16, back-to-back fantastic performances. Brock Purdy leaning on one of the best tight ends in the NFL. This week alone, six targets, six receptions, 120 yards, two touchdowns, an elite 94.3 receiving grade. That was the highest receiving grade that we gave out in the NFL this past week. In the last two weeks combined, 
94.2 receiving grade, best in the NFL, 213 receiving yards, seventh among everybody, not just tight ends, but wide receivers as well. And then his four touchdowns over the last two weeks. Nobody has done it better. George Kittle, known as one of the best all-around tight ends in the game. They are using him as much as they possibly can here in this San Francisco offense. He's a big reason why we're having some Brock Purdy success here. Yeah, if you watched Brock Purdy at Iowa State, should come as no surprise. Mm. He was throwing two tight ends ad nauseum in that offense. Machine. Who was the one? Who was his go-to? That, that Charlie Kohler. Was Charlie Kohler? Yeah. yeah. Charlie Kohler, he would just throw two just recklessly in that Iowa State offense. So no surprise that George Kittle and him have some report early on. Quinn, how did you know that so fast? Uh, that was really, I, really fast. I, I don't know. I, I guess because I, I like I – What did he do to the Bengals well, in the, I, I, in the I preseason? Was, what I happened? I was hoping that he would be a Bengal because I didn't – I mean, I know, like, he didn't test great. He was kind of skinny. But, like, to Mike's point, he just put up massive numbers yeah. in college. And I think he's like six 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 seven, and I was he's like, huge. "Oh, that guy's gonna be good." I don't even know who he plays for now. Plays for the Ravens now. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe he will be good because they use their tight ends. Tight end factory, absolute tight end factory there in Baltimore. So yeah, that's uh, those are those are some early dogs of the week. Mike, who you got next? My next one, I'm staying in San Francisco 49ers because they're the hottest team in the NFC, the new hottest team in the NFC. Fred Warner, <laughs> the linebacker. You're pivoting there from the Lions. Yeah, the new hottest team to the Niners. Best linebacker in football, but he did something he hadn't done ever before. Career-high 13 solo tackles this week. Eight defensive stops was the most of any player this past week. One heck of a performance for, like I said, the best linebacker in the NFL. Yeah, definitely the best linebacker in the NFL. Just what he's been able to do over the last two or three seasons, I would say, are just... He does things in coverage that linebackers can't. I mean, his movement skills, the strength that he plays with, the speed that he plays with, the fluidity, the, the the intelligence, man. This guy is just so smart in coverage no matter what you're asking him to do. Um, he continues to be somebody that other teams highlight every week as like, hey, we got to avoid this guy, but he makes it so you can't. Mm-hmm. He just makes it so his, his impact is felt no matter what kind of uh, defense they're running, no matter where he is on the field. So. Big hat tip to Fred Warner, not just this week, not just this season, but what he's been doing over the last couple of years as what Mike said, the best linebacker in the NFL. Dustin said Chuba Hubbard needs a nod for a dog of the week. Ooh, Blink said Dr. Dimes, Danny Dimes, Daniel A lot of Jones? Danny Dimes in chat, a lot of them. Ooh, Hugh says Evan Ingram. TJ Hawkinson was also a big shout-out in chat. Right, so we're getting some love. We're getting Evan Ingram. We're getting... We're getting TJ Hawkinson. I got George Kittle on there already. Smut says T. Higgins, 85. He's always open. Mm-hmm. We also got some shout-outs for Trent Irwin. What, what's the what's the official Trent and Irwin him name that we're going with, Eli? Is it Trent him Irwin? Trent him win? I, I mean, I think it's got to be the first one, right? Trent him. Trent him. I thought it was Trenton Urhim. Urhim? Ooh, I like that one too. Yeah. Okay. I like that one the best. Okay. I mean, how many elite weapons does Joe Burrow need? I mean... Never enough, I guess. You know, they're just grow, growing them on trees out here in Cincinnati. Um, yep, Dustin says T. Higgins is a very good one. Daniel said that Waddle saved his fantasy team. Uh, Tony said Cam Hayward destroyed Donald Parham like he was on the mean machine. <laughs> Nathan's saying Evan Ingram. You have a shout-out, another shout-out to Evan Ingram. J.J. Watt, salute, career, Marcus Jones as well. Hugh says Keenan Allen. Winning in the Fantasy Football Championship this past weekend. Ooh, good shout-out from Dave here. Isaiah Hodgins. 
Giants wide receiver coming up, man. Becoming very reliable. All right, we'll get to mine. I'll, I'll read a couple more of yours. But we'll get to my second one. I'm going to go with Cowboys offensive tackle. Rookie. Tyler Smith. Oh, yeah. Right. Rookie from Tulsa, man. I, look, I like Tyler Smith as a high-ceiling prospect coming out of Tulsa, right? Figured that the, the technique, the discipline, the experience, all those things needed work. He needed to kind of round out his game. Needed to become more fundamentally sound. Did not think he was really going to be able to step in right away and play as well as he has been this season, especially this past week against the Philadelphia Eagles. 72 snaps at left tackle for the Dallas Cowboys. 84.7 run blocking grade, 91.0 pass blocking grade. Had an elite overall 90.5 offensive line grade. Zero pressures, zero sacks this past week. Just a really damn good Eagles defensive line. Now there are a couple plays. There are some people saying on Twitter. Could have been registered as a pressure there, but... Overall, an incredible day for Tyler Smith. And this is honestly just a nod from me for the great year that he has had. Taking that jump, leap, I would say, in competition from Tulsa to the NFL level, being able to plop down and get some uh, production right away. Incredible job by Tyler Smith, not just this week, but the whole year, it feels like Mike. Yeah, people called it a reach when they drafted him. But he wasn't a reach on the PFF draft board, 25th. Mm-hmm. Great player. Mm-hmm. Got to remind people that. Got to oh, remind yeah. people. Final dog of the week. What do you got, Mike? Final dog of the week. We're going. This one felt like a torch passer. Chris Jones. Taking DT1 status in the NFL. He is DT1. Aaron Donald, your reign has come to an end. Chris Jones, nine pressures this past week. Sack, three hits, five hurries. He now has 64 pressures on the season. Leads all defensive tackles. No, he's not touching prime Aaron Donald. But at the moment... Mm. Chris Jones, DT1. Mm. Yeah, if you guys clip this, if you could, like keep my face out of it, that'd be great. Um, it's just, just all, just all Mike's ticket. No, no, no. I mean, Chris Jones been absolutely phenomenal, and um, Spags, our defense coordinator there. I mean, he's doing a great job of using Chris Jones in a variety of different ways, a variety of different alignments to always get the biggest weakness against uh, whatever offensive line they're going up against. And I think that you see that in the stats, you see that in the production, how great of a year that Chris Jones is having. You highlighted it there, and that's uh, that, that's a good nod for sure. Um, let's see. I'm gonna read a couple more from the chat. Tony saying Cam Hayward again. Um, I see saying Adam Cole. Walt saying why tittle. I mean, yeah, gotta get, gotta respect, gotta respect to the greats in there. Hopeful Lions fans says Panthers offensive line were dogs all week this week. Absolutely, definitely have to give them a nod uh, for how well they handled the Lions this past weekend. Qual says C.D. Lamb abused poor Josiah Scott. My man probably having to apply to Waffle House right now for that kind of a performance. Ooh, Victor also shouting out C.D. Lamb. We got a couple of C.D. Lambs in here. Um, all right, I think that's. Uh, <laughs> He was saying dirty dog of the week, Smack Jones. <laughs> I guess that's the way you can do it. <laughs> you can flip it on the other side. All right, well, I'll round it out. My last dog of the week, Devontae Smith, Eagles wide receiver. Another guy who's been having a fantastic year. Uh, but this past week especially, big day against a rival team. Although the Philadelphia Eagles fell a little bit short, Skinny Batman was there to play, man. He's just so great with his routes and how well he's able to separate now, whether you're playing press coverage against him or whether you're playing off coverage. 12 targets, 8 receptions, 113 yards, 2 touchdowns, 4 explosive plays of 15 yards or more. He was getting fed constantly, and he was delivered for this offense. Quarterback rating of 136.5 when targeted. It's about as high as you're going to find around the rest of the league as well. I'm not sure if it was first. But it's got to be in the top five uh, when you talk about the volume and the amount of targets that he was getting, how often he was involved 
in the offense. So had to shout out Skinny Batman for the performance, albeit in a loss for the Philadelphia Eagles. And the touchdown seller was hot lava. What was the touchdown seller? Robbed the or the yeah, kicked he, open the door. He and could be a dirty dog of the week too. Stole, he stole the money the out of the Salvation Army, Army bucket. Uh, oh wow! Did he? Yeah. So he's a villain. Maybe he's not Batman. He's, he's maybe he's a villain. He's turned the heel turn. Savage out here robbing the bank. It's the Joker at the beginning of Dark Knight. <laughs> uh, Phillips says, "Long live Minshew Mania." Oh yeah. Oh, Blink is saying that sadly the Eagles can't be dogs because I think Blink is a, a Giants fan. Oh, Charlie's saying this too. What about Justin Jefferson breaking Randy Moss's Vikings season receiving yards record? We did talk about this yesterday, but a good nod as a dog of the week. Anytime you can break a record held by the Randy Moss, it's a good week. It's a good week. It's a good week. Good week for you. All right, uh, as we are writing our final chapters of the Christmas holiday season this past week, we are now setting our gaze upon the New Year's, the final days of 2022. And with New Year's, Mike, comes everybody's favorite, New Year's resolutions. It's yes. a time where you think everything's ahead of you for the next year. The best is yet to come. You're going to set ground rules and practices in which you could become the best version of yourself in the upcoming year. So, Mike, we're going to give three early New Year's resolutions. If you guys like this in the chat, maybe we'll do it at the end of the week as well, get to some other teams. But... When you look at the NFL and when you look at the opportunities that some of these teams may have, what are some New Year's resolutions that you want to set for NFL teams going into 2023? My first New Year's resolution comes for the New Orleans Saints. Okay. And what, I, what they are going to do in the new year is stay on a budget. Ah. A good, ah. healthy New Year's resolution to make because they are $53 million over the cap as currently stands in 2023. Now, Obviously, they can make some moves, some cap finessing, shall we say, to get around that, to push that into the future. But it's time to stop those bad habits. Cut bait with some dead weight and really start to tighten the belt. Recession's coming, folks. Mm -hmm. Saints got to stay on a budget. I think it's a good one. This is good, and this is a this is a great one for everybody out there. I feel like there are a lot of people who go, "Hey, spent a little too much money over the holiday season. Spent a little bit too much money last year. Need to hone in. Need to get disciplined. Tightening. Need to actually eat the food that you go shop for with groceries. Stop eating out. Stop throwing away the food. It's what the Saints need to do. Eat the vegetables. Eat at home. Yeah, I agree. Let's start rice and <laughs> rice and beans every meal. I mean, rice, beans, and cheese. Yeah, it's cheap. What more do you need? Uh, okay, so I think that a good way that they might be able to do that is kind of doing what you said with the Denver Broncos or maybe other teams in the NFL. Get a couple of draft picks for Sean Payton, you know, slingshot this bad boy. Maybe get rid of Michael Thomas as well. You can go around things. You can stay on budget. Yeah. I think it's a good one. I like this one. Uh, Ravens. This is offensive. This is a uh, offensive focus here. No Daniel. I'm not saying a new offensive coordinator, though. Maybe they do need an offensive coordinator. Greg Roman's good at times. He's just not good all the time. My New Year's resolution for the Baltimore Ravens, don't be stingy. You are seeing what life is like outside of Lamar Jackson. It's not pretty. Sure, they've been able to get a couple of wins here and there, but the point totals in the offensive explosion has been much less, of course, obviously, saying than it was when the former MVP was under center. I get it. Lamar Jackson plays a style of football where he could potentially get injured, and you're worried about that. You're worried about the guarantees. But you got to take a risk, right? You're trying to win a Super Bowl. Ain't many quarterbacks out there that can win you a Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson is one of those guys. You know, you, you want to be smart about it, 
but don't be stingy about it. That is my New Year's resolution to the Baltimore Ravens. Don't be stingy. Don't let this contract negotiation thing get out of hand. Bring Lamar Jackson back. Let him be the franchise quarterback. Let him uh, take your franchise to new heights, if you will, back to the Super Bowl uh, where you guys know you belong. So that would be my New Year's resolution for the Ravens is don't be stingy about the Lamar Jackson situation. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to follow your advice. I don't know if they are I don't either. Know if they will. But that's my New Year's resolution for them, so I got to stick with it. All uh, right, my next New Year's resolution. Yeah, what do you got? Arizona Cardinals. Reevaluate your close personal relationships. I think it is time to maybe look in the mirror at, in the mirror, I guess it would be look at who's been running this mm. franchise and maybe just do an objective evaluation of how the past decade has gone because it's not been great. And there's been one common theme over that past decade and a common theme over the past handful of years too and the offense not looking great. So maybe reevaluate close relationships this offseason. I think it's a good one. I also had I also had Cardinals on my initial list for similar reasons. And it was yeah. basically like, hey, you gotta uh sometimes you just gotta you just gotta cut the cord. You know, you just gotta you just gotta get rid of the dead weight. You gotta leave the bad parts of yourself in the past. You gotta shed that weight. You gotta emerge the next year, next offseason, a new person, a better mm-hmm. person. It really is wild though. They've had it's bad. Dude. One winning season. It's bad. One winning season in the last seven years. No, yeah, you got to move on. You got to move on from this current regime. They're not going in the right direction. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. I completely agree with you. I think the Cardinals have to basically cut bait on everybody. Blink is saying Lamar Jackson is a uh, New York Giant, unfortunately, for the Ravens. Yeah, I see what you did there. Uh, I see what you did there. Daniel says back, my pick. back my to Brink's truck for your boy, Lamar. I think he's got to stay with Baltimore. All right, my second one. Uh, you know, I got to go back to my roots. I got to mm-hmm. go home. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, don't be afraid to do what's right. Okay? If that means moving on from Brady, it means moving on from Brady. If it means not giving Kyle Trask a full year to start next year, that means drafting a quarterback early in this upcoming draft. If it means moving on from Todd Bowles as a one year head coach after what you've seen this year, don't be afraid to do what's right. There's a lot of things that could be potentially changing in Tampa Bay. Don't settle for mediocrity. Just because you made a couple of decisions here and there, don't let it drag you down further than it needs to. Now, if they think that a couple of those players need to stay, if they think Tom Brady still gives them the best chance to win, if they still think that Todd Bowles, uh, unfortunately, somehow got the short end of the stick with the injuries or whatever, okay, but don't be afraid to do what's right. And I think a cleaning house in a lot of ways is in store for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this offseason. And I'm just saying, don't be afraid to let it go. Kind of like with the Cardinals, you know? Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to leave things in 2020 to emerge the best version of yourself in 2023 and beyond. So I think for the Bucs. Great self-help advice. All right, my last one. Last one. one. New York Jets. Uh, Follow your dreams. mm. I'm telling you right now, Derek Carr is not your dream. Jimmy G is not your dream. The mid-tier of quarterbacks in the NFL is not what you should be dreaming about. It is an Aaron Rodgers. It is a Lamar Jackson. It is a Tom Brady. Go for it. Because you have a roster that's good enough right now to go for it. You have more, as much, I'll just say it, maybe not more, but as much talent on rookie contracts as anyone in the NFL. Qu- impact players, Quinton Williams, Makai Becton, Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, Brees Hall. That's that's one of the best young cores in the NFL. Again, if not the best. Those are real deal blue chip type of players at their respective positions. 
You're just missing one. Follow your dreams. Take the big swing. And you think the dreams are a veteran quarterback? Uh, like an elite veteran quarterback. Go for either Lamar Jackson. If he's up, go for Tom Brady. Ooh. Go for Aaron Rodgers. Ooh. Go for those guys. <laughs> Tom Brady? Yeah. He'd be at least elite, elite two games a year against the New England Patriots. I can guarantee That's <laughs> true. He would get to play. He would get to play Bill twice a year. Yeah. So that is alluring for Tom Brady. That's that's true. I'll stay in New York. I'll go with the New York Giants. And my my New Year's resolution for the Giants is simple. Don't settle. All right? Don't settle. You have the opportunity to to change a lot for the better in New York. There are certain things that are going really well right now, and I honestly believe they start with Brian Dable. Brian Dable is a phenomenal head coach. I think what he has done with Daniel Jones specifically and the rest of that team cannot be understated, but I think that he has been great in a variety of different spots. When he was in Alabama, when he was with the Buffalo Bills, like this guy just gets it. He has improved the production of all the players that he has been able to have his hands on throughout the last couple of years. The Giants have an opportunity to really take a look at themselves Especially this offseason. Daniel Jones is an unrestricted free agent. Saquon Barkley is an unrestricted free agent. Darius Slayton is an unrestricted free agent. Guys along the offensive line unrestricted free agents, right? They have a lot of potential moves that they can make. They can go in a completely different direction. Don't settle. If you believe that Daniel Jones can be this franchise quarterback for you, okay, bring him back. I'm not necessarily convinced of that, even though I do think that he's having one of the best years of his career this year. Don't settle for a guy that could just make the playoffs for you. You have an opportunity to change the direction of your franchise, to up the degree of the upward trajectory that you are on. And it could potentially be by taking a big swing of the bat with a veteran quarterback, with a draftable quarterback, with whatever it is. So that is my message to the New York Giants. You could be a playoff team this year, but do you want to be living on this playoff fringe line every year? I don't think you have to. So don't settle. That's my only thing. Whatever decisions you come with, bringing Saquon Barkley back, bringing Daniel Jones back, bringing whoever back, just make sure you are not settling because it could be even better than where the Giants currently are, and I don't want them to uh, lose sight of that just because they are ahead of the curve in terms of the success that they had during the rebuild. So that's my thoughts for the uh, New York Giants. There we go. Yeah, I agree. Right. I do agree. All right. The Birmingham said preach. Phillips said the Jets need Minshew. Ooh. Minshew on the New York Jets. Come on. No. Doesn't move the needle at all. No. Minshew on the New York Jets is a playoff team. Yes or no? Uh, yeah, it is. Okay. There it is. So it moves the needle? That doesn't say it moves the needle. It moves the needle over Zach Wilson. I don't think it moves the needle for Mike White. Much. No. Yeah. What? White's been good. He's just hurt. Interesting. He's just too much of a gamer. Just gets too hurt. Uh, Blink for the Giants said, not going to lie, I really love Tanner McKee for some reason, but I think his ceiling is limited. You're a Tanner McKee guy. That's, yeah, that's, that's very accurate, I think. Okay. All right. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. That's what I got. I don't see any New Year's resolutions in the chat. I don't see any other ones other than the ones that we uh... – Okay, yeah, Quell saying give Minshew his respect. Walt says vet QBs can't go everywhere. Brady, Jimmy G can't fill all of these terrible teams – quarterback holes ah, that's true oh Minshew may end up in Vegas oh we were talking about Gardner Minshew a week ago and now we are all right Quinn what is the uh oh no we got to, we got early lines that we're getting to I was going to get the question of the day but before we do that let's hit the uh, let's hit the betting minds Mike when you look at week 17 in the NFL 17 mm-hmm 
What's some early lines that you like here? I like the San Francisco 49ers five, as five-and-a-half-point favorites going to Las Vegas to face the Raiders. Do you know, Trev, the last time San Francisco 49ers, the hottest team in the NFC, if you didn't hear me say earlier, did not cover a five-and-a-half-point spread. The did last. not win by at least five-and-a-half points. Oh. Uh, no, I mean, not since uh, Brock Purdy was starting. He's, he's covered every game. Yeah, of course he has. October 23rd, two months. Damn. Straight. Damn. Covering five and a half point spreads. Niners. Minus five and a half. Love that line. It's very impressive. I like it. I like it. Uh, Seahawks are facing the New York Jets this week. It's in Seattle. And the Jets are getting, or the, the Seahawks are getting two and a half. I like it. I like Seahawks at home on this one. Quarterbacks all over the place. I get it. Mike White's coming back. I know. I know. Mike White's coming back. But this one being in Seattle, I think it's kind of a toss-up of game. You're almost giving me a field goal here with the Seattle Seahawks. I like the Seattle Seahawks here. Give me two and a half. Give me two and a half of the Seahawks. Uh, Quinn, what's the answer to the question of the day before we get out of here? What was the – what was your guys' final guess? Well, first of all, let's recap it. Uh, Total wins by interim head coaches since 2020. Okay. I think you said I said three and four. I'm gonna go four. Okay. okay. I'm gonna go four. Four just feels right. Feel it in my soul. Feel the number. What is it? What is it? It's a good guess. It's five. Mm. Oh, wow. Detroit beat Chicago. Atlanta beat Minnesota. Houston beat Jacksonville. Uh, Rich Bisaccia and the Vegas Raiders beat Denver. Um, and then Jeff Saturday won this year. So the only two that have lost are Steve Wilkes did not win his first game. Uh, Daryl Bevel did not win his first game with the Jags. So moral of the story, Kansas City, don't slip. You got a one seed to lock up. <laughs> maybe uh, there is maybe there is some truth to the uh, coach fired bump, you know. Oh, there five, totally is. Five and two record. Oh, there totally is. There totally is. Now, moral of the story, just always fire your coach. If the first thing starts to go wrong, fire them. Yeah, new head coach every <laughs> yeah, has, has go seventeen worked. and zero. It has Super not Bowl. worked. Is that the move before the Your Super money. Bowl? Just fire your coach. Your money. Yeah, guaranteed yeah. win. Yeah, actually, yeah, you gotta you gotta play the numbers, right? Is Five that, and two sounds pretty good. Instead of QB wins, it's fired head coaching wins. So you just fire your head coach right before the Super Bowl. Well, no, you fire them after the conference championship win because then you got the extra week. So you have fired mm. head coach bump and bye week bump. Wow. Genius. I mean, wow. Yeah. It's, no, it's a big brain. That's real analytics right there, folks. That's why you watch the PFF show. Uh, do we have a chat champ today before we get out of here? Yes, it is uh, Jake. Jake said it was his first time in the live chat. And then a man of your own heart for Dog of the Weeks, he was shouting out Carlton Davis. Ooh, let's go, baby. Hell yeah, Jake. Love to see it. Jake, you got to represent uh, the chat tomorrow because it's a Wednesday. And we're getting straight into draft talk, baby. It's draft season. We are in full force here on this show in the middle of the week for draft season. We'll have something cooking for you. We'll have something fun with draft season. We'll be um, updating the draft order. We'll tell you guys all about that. We'll tell you where teams are picking with two weeks to go left in the season. We'll talk about some prospects and some teams and where they could be fitting. But shout out to Jake as the chat champ. Got to represent the chat tomorrow. Um, yeah, good show. Appreciate everybody watching in the chat. Appreciate everybody watching live and appreciate everybody watching afterwards as well. I'm Trevor Sycamore. That's Mike Renner. For everybody in the production portal and everybody in the chat, thank you guys so much for watching. We'll see you right here same time, 11 a.m. Tomorrow we'll see you then. It's not about politics. It's about football. This is a simple game. We're going to run the ball and we're going to pass the ball. 
He's just gonna play football, really. How good of a football player are you? I just get it and try to spin it. That's all. I just love the game. It really is the best time of the year.